You're listening to the podcast of Sojourn Church, Carlisle. Today is a special day in the life of our church, Restart Sunday. It is an opportunity for all of our members to recommit ourselves to the Lord and what He has called us to here in South Louisville. Our sermon today will unpack our mission, what God has called us to, and our values, how we believe God has uniquely called us to live out His mission in our local context. Enjoy listening, and let's restart together. Peace be with you. Let's try that one more time. We got a lively, lively passing of the peace. I love it. The gang's back in town, y'all. Peace be with you. Uh, my name's Nick Wyrens. Um, I serve as the associate pastor here at Sojourn Church Carlisle. It really is, um, honestly, overwhelming in a and a joyous way to, to see everyone back and um, on the other side of summer to, to worship together as we restart together as a church. Um, if you are uh, physically able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Hear the Word of the Lord. And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of decease. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, well, as, as has been mentioned, um, today is what we have been calling Restart Sunday. It's an opportunity for us as a church to recommit to what God has called us to here at Sojourn Church Carlisle and recommit to each other. Um, so today, as we, we kind of um, unpack God's Word for us, we're going to be looking at, real quickly, at our mission, what has God called us to do, and looking at our values. How has God called us to uniquely carry out his mission for us here in South Louisville and beyond? Before we dive in, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do come before you humbly as your servants, as your people, God, today really is a joyous day for us in the life of this church as um, we have an opportunity to restart together, to recommit ourselves to what you have called us to do here in South Louisville and beyond. God, I ask that as we unpack your word this morning, that you would speak to us, that we would hear and understand that which you have called us to that it would fall not on hard hearts, but on soft hearts. God, this is your church. It's not our church. These are your people. So I ask that you would help us to submit to that which you've called us to today. 
Speak to us, Lord, this morning by the power of your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we undoubtedly live in an age of technology. Right? It's a part of everyday life. Computers, smartphones, smartwatches, Alexas, even smart coffee makers, uh, smart blood sugar monitors. Like You name it, we have it, right? It's probably connected somehow, some way. The list goes on and on. Technology is great when it's working, and it's not when it's not. It's frustrating when things freeze, or um, they move slowly, or, or they just don't work like they're supposed to. What do most, if not all of us, do? Our first inclination when something is growing wrong, it's the old off-on button, right? It's the restart. But why does that work? (laughs) Nothing's changed on the outside, right? The the hardware hasn't changed. The the operating system hasn't changed. You're probably not techie enough to to try and do all these fancy fixes. So why does this just magical button seem to fix everything? Well, what happens if you think about a computer, when, when you're using your computer, lots of things get opened and closed, Maybe, maybe you start some apps, maybe you download some apps, delete some stuff, you know, you got all these processes running. Even if you close stuff, what happens is this electronic footprint gets left behind, okay? It's like leftovers, just a trail of leftovers behind. And so the normal processes of your computer, they get bogged down with all this stuff, all the open and closing, all the candy crush and um, clash of clans in the background that you were playing, right? It loads down your memory and then we're stuck. The apps are frozen. The, comp- the phone just won't work like it's supposed to. Throwing it across the room doesn't help all the time. I'm sure that's not good for the inside, but... Again, there's the magic fix, right? The restart. Why does the restart work? It's because everything stops. <laughs> all the things that were open are now closed. All the background processes that you had running that you didn't know you had running, they all stop. And they all start back up again. But what happens this time is the operating system starts up fresh. (laughs) Then you actually open the program that you're trying to use. Things just fix themselves. It's back to the basics, really, of your operating system and the core things that you need to do to run. So like a computer, today, Restart Sunday, for us, is an opportunity to reboot. The last 18 months have been hard, tiring, exhausting. Lots of background windows and processes open in the brain. A global pandemic, racial injustices in our city and around the nation, a politically divisive uh, year, (laughs) election season. All those things are open behind. All the while, there's stuff going on in our church. There's stuff going on in our personal lives, in our families' lives all these open windows. So today, Restart Sunday, is an opportunity for us as a church to to hit restart. We're not starting over, but we're closing everything down and getting back to the original operating system, getting back to what God has called us to do when we planted two and a half years ago. 
If you've been with us uh, since the beginning or you're just joining us today, maybe for the first time, Lord willing, this today, Restart Sunday, is a day that we can remember as a church of who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do. So as I mentioned earlier, what we're going to do, we're going to briefly look at our mission, what God has called us to do, um, because over the next few weeks, we're going to spend more time on that. But we're going to spend a bulk of our time looking at our values. How has God called us to uniquely live out our vision here in this context? So first, our mission. Um, Our mission is simple. It's shared amongst um, the other sister churches in the Sojourn Collective. If you're unfamiliar with that, we have six other sister churches that we collaborate with for ministry here in Kentuckiana. And our mission is simple. It's to reach people with the gospel, to build them up as the church, to send them out into the world, or to shorten that, to reach, build, and send. Now, this mission isn't like some cool thing that we concocted in a sojourn think tank, like we didn't go out in a field and find these magic tablets that said, this is your mission, right? The mission comes from God's word. It's Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. Like, so this is something that we believe all churches should be doing. That's the Great Commission. This is, if you're not familiar with the Great Commission, it's God's final marching orders to his church before his ascension, before he leaves them to carry on the mission that he started. So this isn't something that's like creative or like cool to us. This is the Great Commission. So we are called here at Sojourn Church Carlisle to reach people with the gospel, build them up as the church, and to send them out into the world. Again, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this um, because we're actually starting a sermon series next week for three weeks, um, and next week's sermon will unpack a little bit more of Matthew 28, helping us understand fully what God has called us to in the Great Commission. So that's our mission, right? But then we need to ask a question, what are our values? When we talk about our values, we're seeking to answer the question, what does this mission look like in our local context? So if every church has the Great Commission as the mission they're supposed to carry out, then why do all these churches feel so different? (laughs) It's because we have different values, okay? It's like, I mean, again, you can buy a thousand different PCs, but they're all going to be a little bit different, right? So our our values, they explain to us what's important to us here and now as we look at God's scripture, as, as we look at what he says, and then as we look at our neighborhood, Okay, what's important to us now is we look at God's scripture and look at our neighborhood and understand this context. So if you've been around, Lord willing, you've at least heard us mention our three values. But if you're newer to us, there's three things that we value as a local church. Those three things are maturity, multi-ethnicity, and missionality. Again, maturity, multi-ethnicity, and missionality. So like our our mission, Reach, Build, Send, these things are not things that we just concocted or made up. These are from God's word. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through our sermon text, Ephesians 4, and see how God um, has played out this call to us specifically at Sojourn Church Carlisle. So first, let's walk through these together. First, maturity. When we talk about maturity, what we mean is we desire to reflect and resemble spiritual maturity that is measured against Christ's fullness. We desire to reflect and resemble spiritual maturity that is measured against Christ's fullness. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it said, And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. One of the goals, friends, of the Christian faith is that we would grow, that we ourselves as individuals and as a corporate body of believers, that we would mature. Um, I've, this year, I've made my, my first foray into the urban gardening scene. What, what? Let's go. Okay. Um, I've got some kale going, a pepper plant, which, do I, I, don't, do I call it a bush, a pepper bush, Tyler? I don't, no. Okay. Pepper plant. I don't know a lot, and I'm not great at it. Tyler's my, my gardening coach. Um, he's available, available for consultation for a small fee. Um, shout out, bro. I got you. Um, anyways, like, like any gardener, okay, like I had an end to starting a garden, right? Like I, I, I didn't do it because I need more things to do and need more hobbies. I have plenty to do. I didn't do it so I could use it in sermon illustrations. I've got kids for those, right? It's like I didn't, I didn't need more stuff to do. My gardening had an end. I wanted to grow plant or grow vegetables. I wanted to make my own food in a sense, So I started, right? Waited months and months, building, lugging in soil, planting, daily watering, pulling up weeds, shooing away the squirrels, putting fence up so the squirrels don't get in. After months and months, a couple weeks ago, we got our first cucumber. It was a family event. There's my helper, little baby James. He was pumped. The cucumbers have not done great. I think we've got four <laughs> in, a, in a long span of time. Nonetheless, like one cucumber, man, it was a treat. It was a sense of accomplishment. It felt good. Throughout Scripture, um, the imagery of plants is utilized to speak about the growth of Christians. Right? And the end goal, or if you're a philosopher, the telos, the end for us as Christians, is that we would be like Christ. (laughs) The imagery is that we're a bunch of little Christ plants, right? You're planted as a little starter, and Lord willing, by God's grace, you will grow. Your, Your standard is not measured by other plants, right? Like my cucumbers aren't measured against my peppers. My cucumbers are measured against what other cucumbers are supposed to look like. The same is true for you. Our measuring stick is Christ. You don't have to look to your neighbor to say, am I as mature as them? You don't have to look to your pastors to say, am I mature as them? You don't have to look to your boss to say, am I mature as him? Your standard is measured against Christ. He is our measuring stick, friends. He is the one that we should look like. We're called to live as he lived, to love as he loved, and and serve as he served. He is our measuring stick. So our maturity is measured against Christ. Our maturity, it comes from God. In in a letter to the Apostle Paul, he writes to a church that he helped start in Corinth. Um, But the church, right, they're having all these fights going on. They're arguing about, like, who who really started this church, right? And all these these people are battling, "Well, well, Paul, like, he shared the gospel with me. And then everyone else is like, no, 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 Apollos started this church. Apollos is the pastor of this church or the, the planter of this church. But look at what Paul says. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has 
the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So friends, in our maturity, we work, we strive, we labor for our maturity, but ultimately it is in the hands of God to bring about the growth that is measured against Christ's standard. That doesn't mean we sit around and wait. It doesn't mean we don't do anything and then magically we look like Christ. We have a part to play in the matter. So our maturity is measured against Christ. Our maturity comes from God. Third, our maturity is a community endeavor. If you look at our sermon text, Ephesians 4.15, Paul says, But speaking the truth in love, let us together grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. This command from Paul, it includes himself. He's saying, let's do this together. Let's grow together in every way as the body of Christ. He says this elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So we're to encourage each other as the body of Christ so that others may grow into maturity with their, me- their maturity measured by Christ's standard. Our church, together, corporately, our maturity is measured against Christ's standard as his bride. So our maturity is measured against Christ. It comes from God. It's a community endeavor. And then lastly, our maturity is for all of life. Again, in verse 15, Paul says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Friends, the gospel affects every aspect of life. It should change who you are at work. It should change who you are at home. It should change who you are at the dentist office or on the phone of Spectrum or interacting with your next door neighbor or sitting in the back of a lecture hall. It should change every aspect of your life because the gospel changes everything, friends. The gospel of Christ is all-encompassing. And because the work of Christ affects everything, y'all will mature in every aspect of life. Right? Paul says, mature. Let us grow in every way. If you only have Sunday maturity, friends... I don't know that you fully understand the gospel. If you're magically this mature person at church, yet Monday to Saturday, you're like a child. I don't know that you fully have allowed the gospel to go into the deep parts of your soul. As we grow together in maturity, what's beautiful is that our maturity then changes us in every aspect of life. And one of the ways that it does change us is that it reflects, we then reflect God's love for all people, for all image bearers. That leads us to our next value of multi-ethnicity. So when we talk about multi-ethnicity, what we mean is that we desire to reveal and exemplify the gospel while celebrating God's multifaceted kingdom. Again, Ephesians 4. And he, Jesus, gave him, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith. From him, Jesus, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual 
part. So who is this body that Paul is talking about? Well, it's the multifaceted bride of Christ. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul explains how the work of Jesus Christ has brought two ethno-religious groups together as one. Here's what he says in Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus, is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Friends, there's many things in this world that can divide us. Our gender, our ethnicity, our class, our education level, whether we're blue or red, and by that I mean cats or cards. It's a joke. But seriously, right? Our, our, our politics, our age, our culture. There's so many things that can divide us, but Paul tells us in our passage today that part of being the body of Christ is being a whole body, a complete body. And part of being a whole body, friends, is having beautiful diversity. Elsewhere in Scripture, Paul says, like, what's a body if it's just an ear, right? Like, the imagery is so vivid, like a giant ear walking around. You're like, Man, that's not a church I want to be a part of. That's goofy, man. Diversity is a beautiful thing. Now, now just because multi-ethnicity is the stated value, right, it doesn't mean that we don't care about any of the other issues that divide us. That's the importance of, of our definition, that we pursue God's multifaceted kingdom. We want to and we long to have folks from different classes, different generations, different socioeconomic status, different education levels, ages, professions, so on and so forth. We want that because we know and deeply believe that there's beauty in diversity. And that's not just like some cool bumper sticker. Like we're not just doing that because Google pursues diversity. We're doing that because God has a vision and a heart for his multifaceted bride. Over the last uh, several months, we, we've had some faithful volunteers who've been working on doing a neighborhood study to help us better understand our immediate context. Like, who is our neighborhood is kind of the question we're, we're trying to ask. I wanted to show you guys um, the breakdown. Um, just looking at race and ethnicity, we'll, um, we'll talk about the, the study more in the coming weeks, but um, just looking, if, can we go to the next slide, Morgan? This is just looking at race and ethnicity, but y'all, again, there's, there's plenty of ways uh, that our, our neighborhood is diverse. That top line there, the dotted line, is the city of Louisville. So you can see it's predominantly white, 69% white. But looking at our neighborhood, look at this, uh, this demographic breakdown, right? There's 49% black, 38% white, 6% Asian. 4% Hispanic or Latino, and 3% other. And that's just this neighborhood, like that, that section right there behind me. Different neighborhoods in the South End will look different, of course, but that's our neighborhood. Y'all, we want to be a church that looks like our neighborhood, <laughs> or at least strives to. Like God has put us in this building for a reason. As we seek to do that, 
it will require us, all of us, to lay down our preferences for the good of others. We may not sing all the songs you like. We may not sing in the genres you like. We may use those demon drums every now and then, like today. We may sing songs in a language that you don't speak. We may quote authors you've never heard of or, or maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable. But that's because our desire is to cultivate a place where all God's image bearers or, are comfortable. Or, or really, that we're all, as God's image bearers, a little bit uncomfortable. Like if you feel good in here, we're probably doing something a little bit off. If all your needs are being met, that means probably someone else's needs are not being met, right? So we all need to feel a little bit uncomfortable here. Part, part of being a multi-ethnic or, or a multifaceted church, it's, it's taking intentional steps to look like our neighborhood. By God's grace, we're seeing this happen, like even now, like I encourage you later, just take time to look around and see the people here. There's folks from different cultures, ethnicities, languages, different generations, we have multiracial marriages, multiracial families, homogeneous families and individuals with a deep love for God's multifaceted bride. God is doing something even now. This isn't just an aspirational value. He's at work now, friends. Be thankful for the work he's doing in and through us already. But y'all, even more important than trying to look like our neighborhood, what we want is to look like God's vision for the church. Right? We, in Scripture, we don't get a ton of examples of what the future church is supposed to look like. So when we do, we ought to listen up. Right? Let's look at Revelation 7. We can see this is a picture that God has given us of what the church is supposed to look like. It says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, and they cried out together in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. A vast multitude, y'all, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. Some of y'all probably read Revelation, and you're like calculating all these times about when Jesus is going to come back. Let's look at Revelation 7 and say, God, how about that picture? Let's start running after that. We don't want to wait until, until heaven to try and start looking like a church, like heaven, y'all. Even further, if you're praying the Lord's Prayer and you say, on earth as it is in heaven, this better be included in your vision. If you're not praying that with a vision for God's multifaceted bride, you're not fully understanding the picture God's given us for the future. Y'all, as a church, we are going to unapologetically continue to pursue God's vision for his church. By his grace, like, we're, we're getting little tastes of it. Like, that's what we want, right? Like, man, when we sing in other languages, I don't know what they're saying, but for some reason I get little goosebumps, Right? It's like God's doing something there. Like hearing my, my brothers and sisters worship in their, their native like heart language, like my gosh, warms my soul. So we're going to keep pursuing that. 
by God's grace, we'll get little tastes to see what a church like heaven looks like. As we continue to march towards the day when we will worship with every nation, tribe, people, and tongue together around our Christ. So maturity, multi-ethnicity, then our, our last and final value that we'll look at today is missionality. When we say missionality, and that's kind of a, a weird word, but that means like we're on mission, right? It's a, a people on mission. What we mean when we say that is we desire to share, show, and send the gospel near and far to the poor, to the lost, the marginalized, and the downtrodden in South Louisville and beyond. Now, Paul, again, in Ephesians 4, um, he says, And he himself gave, him, gave some to be apostles, some, some prophets, some evangelists, some te- pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. Now, if we're honest, right, <laughs> a lot of us, that's not really our church experience or, or how we've related to the church. Right? Some of us read it a little more like this, right? And God gave some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry. (laughs) We'll cross out that to equip the saints part. Like, I ain't doing nothing around these parts, y'all. But brothers and sisters, that is not the vision that God has for his church. Much of the modern, dare I say, American church experience is one of consumerism. I go to church, I pay my admission, aka tithe, And then I watch like the the superstar pastors and staff do some really cool ministry. Um, Maybe they'll say some things that make me feel good. Church is for me. It's for my wants, my needs. It's created to serve me. (laughs) But friends, that just is not what Jesus' vision for the church is. (laughs) I hate to tell you that. I hate to be the one to break it to you. Wish someone else would have done it. The church is not about you as an individual. It's it's simply not. The church is about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about his mission that he has called us to do. Y'all, Sojourn Church Carlisle, it's not a consumer church. Because we can't be. Like we're a two and a half year old church plant, which I know you come in here and you're like, man, these guys have been around a while. It's like, no, we're two and a half years old, 18 months in a pandemic. Like it's hard planning a church then. Don't have a ton of members, though they're faithful. God's been faithful to provide for us. Our our other sister churches have been generously, but we're not bursting out the seams of our wallets, right? If you come here and you're like, man, they don't have this ministry and this ministry and this ministry, we, we can't, but if you want to praise God, you're here, you can help us start it. <laughs> Come on in. The water's warm, maybe a little cold. Y'all, we, we, we can't be a consumer church, but I don't want to be. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to be either. Like, this isn't just a place where you get, like, dispensed your religious goods like a candy machine, man. Like, that's not what it's about. Look, the Apostle Paul, again, in Ephesians 4, he says he gave all these church offices to equip the saints, to equip y'all, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. God has called you to the work of the ministry. God has called you to share the good news of Christ with your hurting neighbor. God has called you to care for the poor and the marginalized in in your neighborhood, whether that's Beachmont or PRP or, or Jacob's Edition. 
God has called you to stand up for the little guy in your uh, Humana cube right next to you, right? Like God has called you to the work of the ministry. Paul says the job of the pastors and teachers is not to do all the cool things and everyone come and watch the show. Like he has called you to the work of the ministry. That's what the text says. Now, that's not to say that the pastors and teachers don't do ministry, right? Like, God has called me to do ministry in my local context. An atheist, a nominal Catholic, and a Buddhist nun, that's not a start of a joke. Those are my friends in my neighborhood, on my street. That's my ministry. Like, Kana, Charles, and Nana, who is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk at the end of the street, those are my neighbors, God has called me to do the work, and he's called you to do some of the work of those people in your neighborhood, in your context. I probably can't share the gospel with the guy that works, or girl that works next to you in the cubicle at Humana. God has called you to do the work of the ministry. For those who are members here, God has called you and and all of us, right, to join him on mission, right here in Jacob's edition, and also where you live, where you live, work, and play. Whether that's Beachmont, PRP, Oakdale, maybe out on the East End, shout out, right? Shout out, Ken, I got you, bro. Y'all, we we value missionality because God is already on mission. (laughs) Like, he is on mission already. He's been on mission here way before Sojourn Carlisle was planted. It's not like, oh, we're here and now God is blessing our work. No, like Carla Avenue labored faithfully for, for literal 100 years, right? Other faithful churches around here, St. James across the street, like Largemont Church of God, like God is already doing a work. Like we're not special because we came here. Like God's mission is happening and we're just playing a part. And praise God that he's inviting us into that. Like that's a privilege, The invitation for us, friends, if, you are, if you're a member, even if you're not, you're just a Christian here today joining us, like God has called you to join him on mission, wherever you are, where you live, work, and play. So friends, our, our, our mission, again, really simple, is to reach people with the gospel, build them up as the church, and send them out into the world. And our values, again, are maturity, multi-ethnicity, and missionality. Y'all, these aren't, these aren't things that we've made up. This is God's word speaking to us here in this local context. This is what he's called us to at Sojourn Church Carlisle. If you are a member here, I, I hope and I pray that this sermon served as a reminder to you of what God has called us collectively to do and who God has called us collectively to be. If you're a visitor here, um, I... First, I thank God that you're here. But secondly, I, I want to invite you, like, Restart Sunday is not just for us. Like, we want to encourage you to consider, what is God, how is God inviting you to restart? Maybe it is taking your next steps with Jesus here at Southern Church Carlisle. Maybe it's um, getting more known uh, it, it, by joining a community group. Or, or maybe it's taking, taking the time and, and placing your commitment at a local church to be rooted somewhere, to join some, some place and lock arms on mission with somebody. Maybe he's just calling you to simply to surrender. <laughs> In the coming weeks, if you are a visitor here, we'll, we'll have opportunities for you to consider what it might be like um, for you to restart here at Sojourn Carlisle. You don't have to, but 
um, the invitation is for you to restart. So over the next couple weeks, we'll, we'll have, um, starting next week, we'll have what we're calling Next Step Sundays. It's just an opportunity for you to learn more and see, like, what, what would it look like for me to restart, to take a next step in my faith? Church, what's beautiful about our faith is that we serve a God who is in the business of giving restarts. Like, the very redemption that we have in Christ is a restart. Even the psalm tells that every morning when we wake up, God has renewed his mercy. He's restarted his mercy on y'all this morning. The mercy of God, it restarts over and over and over and over again for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creature. Been restarted. <laughs> the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Y'all, after a long, hard, difficult 18 months, um, and I, I, know, I know we're not done, we're not out, but I'm still excited for today that we have an opportunity to restart together. Every week when we gather together, we, we take a meal together called communion. Communion really is a reminder. <laughs> And when we experience salvation, it is a restart for us. It's a reminder that because of the work of Christ, because of his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, that we now have, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, we have been made into new creatures. If you'd like to participate in this meal together, we have individual communion cups in the pew backs. Um, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, I'd ask you to not partake in this meal, not because we want to exclude you, but because Scripture said that this meal is, a, is for those who are about the reality of Christ. Um, so I just ask you to abstain from this meal today. If you, if you um, are interested in learning what it means to submit your life to King Jesus, talk to me or Pastor James or um, one of our, our volunteers after the service, we'd be happy to prepare you to take communion even next week. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, as he and his disciples were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it and broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body. Let's take and eat this bread together. That same night, Jesus took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take and drink the cup together. Church, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're pronouncing Christ's death until he returns. Let's pray. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.